All right, everybody, episode 52 it is the last mainline episode of the year. Um, we really hope you enjoy this one. We're really proud of it. It's an incredible record. I won't bore you with any more details. We are doing another Christmas episode, but we'll talk more a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end, as you'll hear. Anyways, enjoy. So I'm not going to start with a question today. You're not going to start with a no, question? No, I'm going to start with a contextual preamble. Contextual preamble? Yeah. That's my favourite movie. Just kidding. Please continue. Um, so I don't normally go on like a preamble or a prologue to an episode, but for the sake of, of contextualising everything else I'm going to say, there are a few things I want to talk about before I jump in, and that should be taken into account for this whole episode. This episode we're going to be talking about the 2014 album Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me. So firstly, as usual, I've really zoned in on what this record means to me and how it's impacted me. And in doing that, I'm taking like one tiny sliver of the pie that is critique and analysis of content and art. Um, There are many other bits of content and media about this album and from and about Laura Jane Grace and Against Me. So if this is any way interesting to you, I would encourage you to read more widely than just my little hot takes. And I'm also going to be looking at it from my specific lens in a specific in a specific time and context. And that's inevitably going to leave some of like the larger landscape of the context experiences and impact both in 2014, which is closer to a decade ago now than not, not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now in 2022. And the second thing is like we aim to focus on positive things in the show, on the things we love in the show, but good art often explores painful things and this is no different. So just a warning that the themes of this album um, cover things like transphobia, suicidal ideation and violence. I plan to touch on them with the lightest of touches. Um, but as always, take care of yourself first and foremost. And that's my little preamble to what we're going to talk about today, which is my absolute favourite album by Against Me. Transgender Dysphoria, please. So let's talk about the band. Let's you knew them before I did. Yes. Um, I don't know. I'm saying that like I've, like I've won a contest. <laughs> you did. You, I, think you, I think you had a deeper familiarity probably with, about, uh, about the actual songs of Against Me before I did. Yeah. In trying to remember when I first listened to Against Me, I realised I don't actually remember factually when that was. Um, but, I, but I'll tell you what I think is true. I first heard about the band in the peak of my like reading music magazines in yeah. the mid-2000s. So Kerrang! often mentioned them in that period of time. Yes. But it was the, the land before streaming and uh, we had those limited pounds to buy CDs and CDs were expensive. Yeah. So I just didn't take the punt on them. Yeah. I didn't. Um, and that's on me. That's on me. I, I lost out many years of joy because of that. Um, they just didn't get prioritised in my record buying at the time. I was just too emo. <laughs> I would now consider... I'd like to think that I'm like more punk now, but like it was just hard emo when I was 15, um, as, as discussed on previous episodes. Um, and against me, just didn't make, the, didn't make the, the cut. Before I get into when I actually did come into contact with them just to give some context about who the band are, because they've been rocking around for a long time. Yeah, they 20 were f- years at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think someone's 25, because yeah. the band were formed in 97. So it'll be 25 this year. Yes. And since then, they've released seven full-length albums, plus a number of EPs, two live records, and lead singer Laura Jane Grace has also done various side projects, most recently her solo work 
and um, she did kind of an offshoot band called Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mother Mothers. Went real Irish there, mothers. Um, <laughs> Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers, who released an album in twenty eighteen. So, yeah. like, there's a lot of music around that. Yeah. And so this is the sixth album, and again, I don't remember the exact time in facts when I first really sat down and listened to Against Me, but. I don't recall being firmly aware of them, really, until I came across an eight tracks playlist on Tumblr in what I assume is somewhere around 2013 or 14-ish, yeah. because that's when I was on Tumblr. Yeah. I may have heard some singles in passing before then, like, you know, like listening to Crying TV or stuff like that. I yeah. might have heard something like Teenage Anarchist or something in passing. I don't know how much play they were getting, but I don't recall There it. was, um, Thrash on Rio was occasionally on music television yeah. a little bit. But they, that was the, my first exposure, and that that was the first I remember seeing it on a thing. I didn't really get it at the time because I was too in a, shall we say, metal hole. I'm too metal for this. Pretty much. Yeah. Like I, my ears were just like no, I had no. If it wasn't metal, I didn't care for a little bit, and that was yeah. that was during that period of and my life. Against me is an interesting. I think their sound changes over time. Yes, dramatically. But I still think it's fair to say that like I would consider this like I would just call it punk broadly yeah I wouldn't call it like pop punk or I wouldn't call it like hardcore or emo or do you like any of the offshoots of punk I do think just the word punk describes it most purely yeah which I think folk punk would be the closest thing to sort of a a, an offshoot but that's more the earlier stuff than even this this kind of stuff so back to tumblr in this period of time that I'm guessing is 2013 or 2014, uh, I found this eight tracks playlist. I don't think Spotify existed yet, or it probably did, but I didn't know about it. So things, websites like eight tracks where people made playlists is where I found new music. Yes. It was on this playlist of queer artists and I've been unable to find it to check out what else was on it. I went yeah. looking to see if I could find this playlist yeah, yeah, yeah. to see um, if I could remember. I do remember, I'm almost certain it had the song Closer by Tegan and Sarah on it. <laughs> Um, Tegan I'm, and Sarah, who were getting airplay on Grey's Anatomy, so yeah, I knew who Tegan and Sarah were. I'm pretty certain it, at least one of Tegan and Sarah is on an Against Me song. Oh, really? Yes. I am 99% certain it's not, yeah, no, I know it's not on Transgender Dysphoria Blues. No, no. But in any case, I think because of the Grey's Anatomy, Tegan and Sarah had made it into my rotation, my HMV rotation. It's just, it's that. So I was just going to say, yes, it's not Tegan and Sarah, it's just Tegan. And I'm born in the FM Ways of the Heart. Oh, okay. That's earlier than I expected it to be. Yeah, yeah Tegan and Sarah have always been rocking around since like the late 90s. So that kind of yeah. makes sense timeline wise. So there was this playlist I was listening to. And the very first track on this playlist, the very first track is, which I think is what made me keep listening to the playlist. And I can't remember if it was like a live band version or just Laura Jane Grace on her own with the guitar. Yeah. But either way, I was hooked. And it was a live version of Transgender Dysphoria Blues, like the song. And it hooked me immediately. Like, I know for a fact it was live because you can hear audience in it. I remember hearing audience in it. So, which is why I think it might have been before this record came out. Interesting. It might have been in the kind of, you know, versions or just after. Because I know the band were doing some acoustic versions. There was a live album that came out after this record. There's also just lots of live versions of things on, like, YouTube and stuff of, like, sessions they did. It wasn't even, like, like, the one on... 
Because the last one was called 23 Life Sex Acts. No, I don't think it's after 23 Life Sex Acts. Okay. I think it's earlier than that. Yeah, it must be, because that didn't come out until after the record. Yeah, yeah. So, but but I, I, I do recall Oops. it yeah. was not a, it was not a, a record, like a, it was not a produced yes. version of the song. It was a live version of the song. And I was just obsessed with the song. Because it was like, in my, again, I listened to a lot of emo music up to that point. I kind of fallen off listening to new music for a long period of time, kind of in uni. Yeah. I just wasn't really... I would listen to the new songs from artists I already liked. Yeah. But I wasn't really listening to a whole lot of new music. Yeah. I kind of got back into that once I moved to England. Yeah. So this was kind of unlike anything I had heard. Like, it was more modern sounding in its kind of aesthetic than, like, OG punk. Yeah. um, From, like, the 70s and 80s. Um, it wasn't anything like emo music or pop punk. Yeah. It, it there was an upbeatness to it. Like it wasn't as heavy as metal. It was like I just wasn't exposed to that kind yeah. of sound necessarily. And like when I first started thinking about what am I going to write for this episode, in my mind the first thing I thought of, and this is blatantly false, but in my mind I was like, this is the first explicitly queer music you ever listened to, which is a dirty lie yeah. because. I just said I'd been listening to Tegan and Sarah. I'd been listening to Freddie Mercury and Queen since yeah, exactly. I was nine I was years old. Say, like... <laughs> he was my idol. You know what I mean? So I know it's not factually true, but there is something about this record that feels so kind of like raw and explicit about yeah. that specific thing. Yes. That feels different. Yeah. Then just um, you are singing a love song and it happens to have the pronouns you might not expect, I suppose. Yeah. It's, it's explicitly about these challenges that come up yeah. with trying to figure out who you are and then live who that is in the world yeah. in safety. Um, so it, it still feels true in a, in a not factual way, but in a way that is like uh, spiritually yeah. true to feel like this is a first of something. Yes. And maybe it was in the directness of it all. It's just a very to the point song. Yeah, it's very to the point. It's explicitly about gender dysphoria and that simple desire that you want them to notice the ragged ends of your summer dress. Yeah. You want them to see you like they see every other girl, yeah. and that's so. Oh, like that just that just is heartbreaking, yeah. and it's very direct to this very mm-hmm. specific experience, and that was yeah. it. I was hooked on against me, and this album was my favorite. So let's talk about the album itself. Yes, let's do that. So the first thing I want to note is that. Well, I think this anyway, is that Against Me are a very consistent band. Okay. I think there can be, I think there are records where there, I think there, I like, I think some records are more consistent than others, but I think every record has several good songs, if not the whole record is good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think they just have like a trash record. Yeah. That you just like, no, I never want to listen to that. <laughs> There's some songs I, I might skip along the way of their career, but I yeah. do think they're consistent in good songwriting. Throughout the life of the band, and I like their albums across their career. And the top spot for favorite is a tight race between this record and its predecessor, which I do believe is your favorite record by them. It is my favorite, but it's not my favorite because it's a weird one. Because usually, like sometimes, but sometimes you occasionally hear people say, "Oh, that's my favorite record by a band, but it's not their best record." You might have heard this occasionally. Like yeah. this is, it's a bit more like nerdy it's a bit more a nerdy thing to say and usually i find uh, my brain just goes like my brain usually goes that's fucking absurd if it's your favorite it's obviously the best one to you however mm. this might be the one exception 
because objectively, I think this is the best record that they have ever done. But my favourite is the one before this yeah. because it's the best record the Foo Fighters never did. That's true. So White Crosses is the record before this. And it's it's interesting. I think production-wise, they, they're very far apart from yeah, each other. Like, it's interesting. And I do really love White Crosses. I think it's yeah. a great record. White Crosses was their second and last major label release. Yep. And then they went back on the indies. Yeah. <laughs> But it, yeah, it, it's much, it feels much more produced. This feels much more kind of like back to the roots. And w- when I was reading, I was reading a lot of... self-produced. Yeah. When I was reading the reviews, a lot were harking back to, oh, this sounds like invent- reinventing Axl Rose again. Yeah. Like not necessarily the actual songwriting, yeah, but the, the, actual the songwriting production. But, yeah. but there was something, again, spiritually similar yeah. to it compared to, say, A White Crosses. Yeah. I mean, Against Me are a cool band, right? And yeah. Laura Jane Grace is a cool front woman. They really slap live. I yeah. we I saw them... I've only seen them once. Have you only seen them once? Yeah. Have you seen them multiple times? I've only ever seen them. They haven't toured as Against Me for... For a while, yeah. Years. Well, yeah. I, I don't think they've been to this country in like five years. No, it might they, have been when we saw them. Yeah, I don't think they've played a show for years as Against Me, let alone actually... No, I think um, I was reading earlier today about... Uh, Laura Jane Grace's most recent solo record, which I think was originally envisioned to be like an Against Me record, yeah. but then Pandemic. Yeah. So they couldn't all get together as a band. So she just did it on her own. But yeah, so we saw them in 2016. It was one of the first... It wasn't the first show we went to see together, but it was it was one of the first shows. Yeah, it would have been the second, maybe third. Yeah, like very early days of us knowing each other. Yes. So I still have like a special place in my heart. That was a lovely time. For that, for that reason. But they were really good live. Yeah, they were a lot great. of fun live. I remember just being very... Um, Filled with glee about the whole thing. (laughs) Um, And also the audience, there was a huge proportion of the audience that was explicitly queer. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you couldn't not recognise that. Yeah. And I also think, having watched online, I think Laura Jane Grace alone with an acoustic guitar is really cool also. Like, I've seen her play on YouTube songs from this record on her own, just with a guitar. And, I, you know, the whole DIY punk thing is a real vibe Hmm. that I love. But... With all of that, I still think this album is the one for mm-hmm. me, which isn't, again, to say to, to say anything bad about every other record. I think there's something to be found in each of them. Yeah. So this album was released in January 2014, so just shy of seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, did I math that right? No, you mathed no, it completely wrong. Nine so, years ago. Yeah, so nine nine years. years ago, sorry. And for context, Laura Jane Grace had come out as trans uh, to the general public in a Rolling Stone article in May 2012. Mm -hmm. So around halfway between the release of White Crosses and Transgender Dysphoria Blues. Yeah. And for context, this was about 15 years into the band's existence. So Mm -hmm. this wasn't like an unknown band. And this was was a known quantity. They just released two Mm. um, major label records. And uh, so this is a very public transition. Yeah. For her. Um, and the songs on the album had originally been conceived as a fictional concept album about a trans sex worker. Yeah. Um, and there are some lyrics remaining which feel like they could have come out of that period of time. Yes. Not a lot, but like some and others which feel potentially more personal. It's, mm. it's, it's hard to parse out and I don't necessarily want to either. And although that's the thing... For something that can be so direct and raw, this album doesn't start and end at the confessional, which I find really mm. interesting. For example, Matthew Fiender, writing for Pop Matters, said, quote, 
Laura Jane Grace's story of gender identity is an important one, but she refuses to put herself on display on this excellent record, instead using her experience to dig into larger, more universal kinds of isolation and self-searching. Unquote. This is a record about gender identity, but it's also one about isolation, death, violence, connection and finding yourself. And at 29 minutes, you actually have no excuse not to listen to it. <laughs> Come on. And there's, there's, there's episodes, there's short television episodes that are longer than this. Yep. I've watched YouTube videos today that are longer than this. <laughs> just, you can just, it flies it by. It really does. Like, because it's short, but also because it's just, it's going at such a clip. Yeah. There's only really one slow song in the whole thing. And that might be one of the most gorgeous songs I've ever heard. Yeah. So Two Coffins is, 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 is a time. properly ballad song. Yeah. But everything else is going along at like a, a quite a march, I yeah. would say. Like, I think it's just a really perfect record. And I think it shows so much skill in songwriting. Yeah. Both musically, because it's so hooky and earwormy yeah. and catchy. And, you know, hooks that just will... In the middle of a day, you haven't listened to the record in a while, will just pop into your head. And if you're anything like me, you feel compelled to sing them out loud yeah. to poor Louis, um, uh, you know, to your, to your detriment. Yeah, I, I, find, I find myself randomly singing two coffins for me, two coffins mm-hmm. to sleep, one for you, one for me all the time. Mm. And I have it's, done for years. It's incredible. And it's so, like, that's a sad, slow song. And yet it's still quite like a hooky melody. It yeah, does still stick with you. And like I say, I think there's such skill to balancing that line between like the deeply personal but the truly universal yeah. also i think this um this is a, both a very specific record to a specific experience but it's so easy to connect into yeah and and i just think that's amazing i just think that's such uh, such a level of skill and I mean the other thing i haven't written this down but like again reading through a lot of reviews from the time about this record there is a lot of like, I mean, there's a few, there's a few comments about how like how Laura Jane Grace just feels much more like comfortable in singing this way yeah. on this record. Like this is how she always wanted to be singing. Yeah. And she does. She just really like sings it out, yeah. you know, right from the bottom of her lungs. And yeah. it's just so amazing. Yeah. Like I say, it's a short record. I could go through, I could go through each song one by one. I don't particularly want to because I think I'll just end up describing them and okay. that's not very fun <laughs> you can just listen to it um yeah. <laughs> more than we talk about it um so instead I'm going to pull out some highlights but I do like I say just implore you to go listen to this record in full yeah um it is well worth your time yeah so I've already talked a bit about the opening track which is transgender dysphoria blaze but I think this song is re- like just such a really great example and statement of intent for the rest of the record. Yeah. It's like, like I say, I just had heard this song for a while before yeah. I knew about this full record. Um, and it just ooh, drew me in straight away. I cannot emphasize enough how accessible a listen this is sonically. Like, take out the lyrics for a second. Yeah. It's all so catchy yeah. and so like... So I've a, I've a long history of considering things radio friendly because I'm used <laughs> to listening to like cuz because there's some stuff that I acknowledge in really horrible fucking noise music yeah. that you're like no 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 that's that's for a niche audience. <laughs> and then sometimes it'll be like oh that's pretty radio friendly because to you and I it might be but like to my mom God, like, I wouldn't, I actually, in <laughs> retrospect, wouldn't, it's too heavy, it's not fair, you know, like, to, to the yeah. moms of the world. 
Um, but I do think this could just go on the radio. Yeah, like bad. I think this is this is not. I wouldn't call this heavy. The Gaslight Anthem will be played on the radio. Yeah, stuff like that. Like exactly you know, stuff like Radio Two. What have you? You know, this is no heavier like sonically than no, that. Exactly. There is. I think it's. I think it. Um, it's this would be driving. All music if it came out now. Exactly. I think it's driving. Yeah. Like there's a drive to it. There's yeah. a there's a march along to it. Yeah. But it's not like very distorted. It's not like It's no. it's it is. Just um, passionate. passionate, but not heavy, not sonically heavy. No. Thematically heavy. Thematically incredibly point. heavy, yes. But but sonically, I actually think I actually think it's very easy to listen to. Like, if you bulk at the idea of heavy music or rock music, yeah. this isn't headbanging noise no. distortion in any way. These are earworm riffs. They're sing-along choruses. Intention with this sometimes cruel and brutal nature of the lyrics. Like, there's yeah. this real push and pull yeah. between... Or, or like at least like the other the other example of this type of thing I can think of not thematically but just about this kind of tension is I've heard it said so the song Polly by Nirvana right I've heard it said if you weren't listening to the lyrics that would be the kind of song you know your parents might sing yeah. along to on the radio yeah, but then yeah, you yeah. listen to the lyrics and you're like oh yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> horrible but you know what I mean like it's that kind of thing that's very kind of like either upbeat or gentle or yeah. easy to listen to yeah. music and then these quite like harsh uh, insults and yeah. stuff in the lyrics or just kind of like quite heartbreaking lines and there's that tension throughout the record it's yeah. not just on this track especially like I find in the very upbeat songs and stuff actually if you take a listen you're like oh okay yeah. whoa <laughs> actually that's that's heavy mate <laughs> but like you could just dance along to it like yeah. quite easily so I just think this song exemplifies that thing yeah I think there's another one that does that quite well in, in, in the way you're describing it is it the next song i was gonna say unconditional love okay so i actually haven't um written down unconditional love but i will talk about it i'll talk about it for a minute <laughs> partly because one the bass play bass on that is being played by fat mike from yeah he, he rocked in to cover like two or three songs at the end that needed bass playing on it which i find quite fun <laughs> Oh, fat mike i, I think know. i read somewhere he was involved earlier in their career as yes, well okay yeah yeah um, but unconditional love, if you're not paying attention to the lyrics, is very single. You know, the chorus. You know, yeah, the chorus is even if you love. Oh, it's unconditional. It's yeah, very, it's very classic punk gang vocals. Yeah. kind of hey, yeah. <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah, I and that's the line. I think it, it, again, it's a chorusy line. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like. Oh, <laughs> which yeah. is even if your love was unconditional, it still wouldn't be yeah. enough to save me. And I'm like, who are you talking to? Yeah, whose love? Yeah. And it could be like three different things. Yeah, and I, I think that's really interesting. But yeah, I think that's another really good example of that thing. The another track I wanted to talk about, um, which interestingly, I was looking for interviews with Laura Jane Grace, and there was like two articles where essentially they were talking to like a bunch of female songwriters yeah. and, ba- and and saying like, pick a song for X, this theme that you wrote. And and both times Laura Jane Grace picked True Trans, Soul Rebel, yeah. which I found interesting. And this is a surprisingly raw song, given how it, so it sounds on first listen as well. Like sonically, it's very upbeat. It's major key. If you're not listening to the lyrics, you might not realise how challenging they can be. Yeah. They walk us through an identity crisis in which the narrator is, quote, making yourself up as you go along. And yet to be born, you're already dead. Asking the question, does God bless your transsexual heart? Yeah. Um, and speaking about the song to Elle magazine, Laura Jane Grace said, quote, there's not a night we play it and it doesn't impact me. To me, the song is coming from the darkest of places, 
questioning whether even God has love for a transsexual soul when the overwhelming majority of societies in the world see trans people as disgusting, sick or diseased. Asking the question of, will you ever find acceptance or understanding as a trans person? To get up on stage and have so many people connect with the song, shout the lyrics back at me, regardless of whether or not they themselves are trans, or fully understand the trans experience. Just seeing that they can connect with that base human need of love that we all have. The weight of that moment is never lost on me, and it's a moment my younger self would have never expected to experience. And yeah, I think like it, it's a really... it. I, I was interested to read what she thought about like what she felt was the meaning of the song because it is very if you just read the lyrics like if you read them as a poem they're very dark yeah they're they're quite heavy but there is something i i do like that in in the practice i suppose of the song in the doing of the song yeah there is something that turns itself back around that transforms into this positive experience that people in an audience can connect with that yeah um, and have that and it be kind of reflected back to her. I, I just think that's really amazing, mm. like to have something so dark be turned into something potentially that you can cling on to. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I really love the song. I think it's a great song. Another song I just wanted to touch on because I think it has the best lyric on the whole record. Maybe the best lyric. I don't know. But, but <laughs> I, it's, ooh, it's so good. It's Fuck My Life 666. Yeah. Um, this is a very anxious song. There's a lot of like clear worry about the stability of the narrator's relationship and whether it's going to last. You hear all this anxiety in the chorus. Hmm. All things made to be destroyed, all moments meant to pass. Yeah. Everything is impermanent in the end. The closing chorus of this song is where I think, like I say, one of the best lines of this record lies. And it just goes, no more troubled sleep. There's a brave new world that's raging inside of me. Mm. And you're not getting the impact with me just reading it, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, for a fact, I just made an absolute shithouse of it. <laughs> Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful and cathartic and mm. like, oh, soaring. Even amongst all like the worry of the rest of the song. And so even for just that one line, I just wants to do a big highlight on Fuck my life, 666. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I haven't written it down, but because you brought it up, I do want to talk about Two Coffins. Yeah. Like I say, the only slow track on the record, really. Yeah. I suppose it's about, like, will will our love remain after death? Like, will something of that love still be with me, even after, you know, the soul or whatever mm. leaves the body? And it's, it's very... If the rest of the record feels very full, this feels very minimalist. Minimalist and like 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 a sparse. Th- sparse. Thank you. It feels like a thread rather than, um, you know, a full fabric. Yeah. Comparatively, and uh, and it's really beautiful. And again, you wouldn't expect that kind of song to have like an earworm melody, but it does. Yeah. Um. It really does. Yeah, and so I think it's interesting that. That, that was one of the ones that kind of like came to your mind to to bring up as the one that kind of sticks in your sticks in your head yep I, mean, I, I, I can't I, I almost can't even describe it like I'm kind of glad that I didn't pick this album purely because I don't think I'll be doing a very good job of describing it I'll basically just be like blah 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 this is fucking great blah you know yeah or trying to clumsily explain trans to people that don't understand it well, not being trans and therefore really not really understanding it probably myself. Mm. You know, like... Because <laughs> that's the thing. I'm not trans. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who love this record, not trans. Yeah. This album is so explicitly about that. Yeah. But it connects to so many people on so many levels. Yeah. 
And that, that I think there's a genius to that. Like I genuinely, I'm not, not hyperbolically. I think that's a real talent yeah. to be able to, like I say, universalize the very, like the specific. Yeah. And it's just such a good record. Like I, I'm, I'm going to talk about one more song. Yeah. But I, I, before I do, I want to ask, do you have a favorite song on this record? Ah, oh, what? That's so not fair. That's like trying to ask me which of my children is my favorite. I don't have any children. But the metaphor is still valid. Oh, fuck me. Um, basically, catch them whatever day of the week mm. and it will change. Fair. Like, I'm picking realistically between at least... Realistically, I'm picking between about seven. Right now, if you had to ask... And there's like favorite, ten songs on yeah. this record, so that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, my, my favourite right now, I'm just going to say it. Uh, it's, it's true trans soul rebel right now. That, that's my favourite. I don't know why I'm yeah. saying it like I'm apologising. It's why You're apologising to the apolog- Yeah, songs. I'm apologising to the rest of the songs. I'm sorry Osama Bin Laden is the crucified Christ. Um, <laughs> That's sorry, such a dead friend. song. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they're all so good, though. But I'm going to talk about my favourite song. I have a feeling you're about to say Black Me Out. It is. The yeah. last song on the yeah. record. It's something I've noticed doing this podcast is whenever I'm like, what's my favourite song on this record? It's often the closer. Interesting. Not always. I'm usually I think around. I think interesting shit often gets put on as the closer of a record. I often find that people... They want to put their best foot forward to so the best song in the top. Well, certainly, I think record companies want you to like stack the first like half of the record with like the singles and what they think is going to work. But I think that like as a closer, I don't yeah. think any of this has to be the closer. If you're going to take these ten okay. songs, right? This has to be the closer. I, th- I I see what you're saying. I do. I do. There's something about it that is just so like. The end, like cathartic, cathartic. They're, like, and I find there's a catharsis to many of the songs on this record, but yeah. this is this is the peak of that feeling. Yeah. Throughout this song, this is one of those songs that I I have put on like multiple playlists. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm you know, thinking of a playlist. I want to be this thing. Better throw on Black Me Out because yeah. obviously it fits perfectly. Yeah. It's definitely my favorite song on this record. Although again, I think it's a tight race. You yeah. know. But I think the fact that I have put it on so many playlists and stuff shows that it's the one I've probably listened to the most yeah. if you were to look at my Spotify stats. Yeah. Um, it's probably my favourite Against Me song. Okay. It's up there. That's perfectly sensible. Again, I think it might change on the day, but like from day to day, yeah. but certainly a lot of the time, this might be my favourite Against Me song. And talking to Spin, Laura Jane Grace discussed the meaning of this song. She said, quote, it's an angry song and it's about feeling like you have certain relationships in your life where you have to fake the person that you are and be inauthentic and compromise yourself to people you work with or people you see out at the bar who corner you, who make you the kind of person that you aren't really. And feeling like you're so angry that you just want to be like blacked out from someone's existence, like fucking forget about me. Don't think about me anymore. I do not exist to you. That kind of feeling. Mm. And it is. It's like. There is something so cathartic in the anger of this yeah. song. It's like, if you ever get really frustrated and just are like, fuck off, like yeah. that kind of yeah. kind of feeling, this is the release of that to me anyway. Because yeah. you want to piss on the walls of the house. Yeah, there's something about singing along to that chorus. Yeah. Just black me <laughs> out, I want to piss on the walls of your house. Yeah. To all the people who have made you feel like not yeah. good enough or to be shamed or somehow incomplete about who you are as a person. Yeah. It's visceral in mm. its impact and it's so good every yep. time. You're just like, oh, I just want to get it out of my system. Mm-hmm. And Robin Smith, writing for The Quietest, said... 
Quote, when a pop punk song is as good as Black Me Out, the final track on Against Me's sixth studio album, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, it turns fantasy to life. Its components become satisfactions. The spiky, masterfully revealed guitar riff and marching drumbeat take the song's desires, Laura Jane Grace's protestation that she will never talk that way again or know people like that anymore and fulfil them. Hmm. It's just such a perfect ending to what I consider to be a pretty perfect record. Mm. To summarise, because it, this has been, so this has been such a hard episode for me to write in that it's been so hard to articulate why I find this so great without rambling on for hours and kind of going into weird tangents. So That's I, my entire approach. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to summarise, I am going to quote from another uh, music journal because... They have a better handle on succinctly summarising these things. So I'm going to finish by quoting from Sasha Geffen's review in Consequence. Okay. Quote, here, as in all of Against Me's best work, punk is rendered not as a detached political ethos, but simply as the will to survive when the world around you tells you to cave in. This is an album about gender, sure, but it's more an album about daring to thrive against the odds. Transgender Dysphoria Blues will be remembered as a milestone, not because it's the first widely known punk record performed by a trans woman, but because it brandages a genre saturated by empty male-centred politics to broadcast the most punk statements possible. Fuck the haters, be who you are, hold fast to those who love you. Um, And yeah, once again, go listen to this record. It's amazing. Yeah, if you... Genuinely, uh, at the risk of sounding like ironically a broken record you really should listen to this it's like so- you will not regret it i don't give a fuck who you are i don't give a shit if you don't like guitar music if you if you like honest music like if you're one of those people who goes i really want to feel the authenticity in the music i really i really respond to authenticity if that's your vibe is if that is your vibe this is it yeah this is it like you do not get much more authentic, quote unquote, than this. Yeah, it's so great. Um, and also, do you know what? Throw on some of Against Me's other records. Yeah. <laughs> Throw on some White Crosses. Yeah, put on New Wave. Like It's all good. Yeah. Like, if you really want to get... If you're much more into, like, person with acoustic guitar just railing it against things, you might want to go really far back. You want to listen to Reinventing Axel Rose. Mm. Um. I'm not as keen on that myself, but that's probably because I don't that, like though. that particular style as much as others. You're not a folk others. boy. Not really, no. I'm a folk girl, though. Yeah, I've always been like, yeah, you're angry, but like, wouldn't it just sound better if you just plugged the guitar in? Wouldn't it just sound more and angry? And Louis, I say this wouldn't to you. Wouldn't it just sound better? <laughs> and Louis, I say this to you. When you're when you're at a protest, yeah. where's the amp? Yeah. So you've got to be on an acoustic guitar. <laughs> got to be practical. Come on. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I that's 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 it for me. Our next episode is going to be something different. So I'm not necessarily just going to ask you no. what you're doing next. No, I'll, we'll keep that as a surprise. Yeah. So yeah, Christmas is coming up. There's going to be a little roundup about all the things we love this year. It's going to be a nice little relaxed time. It's going to be like we've done it before, twice actually. We're going to do it again. Uh, <laughs> different theme this time but yeah there won't be yeah, we're not going to tell you our favourite Christmas songs because we've already done that you can listen to that it, it was two years ago we did that our very first thing we recorded yeah so that's yeah it's a little it's a nice little round up a nice little dare I say Christmas present very good well with that I'll see you 
I'll see you immediately. But yeah. <laughs> um, we will see you for that little end of year roundup. Yeah. Uh, Should be out before Christmas. And thanks so much. Bye. Bye, everyone. You were listening to the Darling Why podcast presented by Louis Tangarides and Kate Stewart. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a follow at Darling Why Podcast on Instagram. Feel free to rate and subscribe on whatever podcast feed you're listening to. This podcast is produced, edited and put together entirely by Louis Tangridis and Kate Stewart. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.